You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> hey guys, producer Darren here. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast today. Michael was recently interviewed by Michelle Lemons Pacenti, the CEO and founder of the Global Leadership Organization. It's a worldwide entrepreneur group helping entrepreneurs create wealth and scale their business. They talk about how McIntyre got started in business, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We think you're really going to enjoy this. So without further ado, here we go. Welcome to McIntyre's Next Level Podcast, a place for entrepreneurs, leaders, and dreamers to awaken and be activated to their full potential. Are you ready to get out of the boat and experience your next level? Here's your host, Michael McIntyre. Well, hi there, and welcome to Business Acceleration 2.0. It's a show where leaders go to grow, and we're thrilled that you're here with us today. My name is Michelle Lemons Pacenti, and I am the host of the show today. We're here to interview and speak with our guest, Michael McIntyre, an incredible individual. He's got such a great background. He, he, was, he started off in the insurance business, but he went out and started his own business, built it from scratch built it to a $3 billion in, uh, company. Amazing. Working with over 20,000 sales representatives. That's huge. I can't even imagine that. So uh, we're going to hear from Michael today about the ups and downs, how to build a business such as that. How do, He actually ended up selling it in the end. So we're going to learn about that as well. So without further ado, let me welcome Michael McIntyre. Hi, Michael. Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. And uh, hey, I like your sponsors. Those are they sound awesome. I like that business finishing school. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. It's, it's awesome. a great program for any entrepreneurs you yeah. know. Make sure you send them there, and they can go through the program. Absolutely. Uh, and they also offer scholarships. I didn't even say that, but they offer scholarships too. But we're here to talk about you. So, <laughs> what a great background you have. And you know what? I have to tell you. You know your book that came out. I'm going to hold it up. The next. So it's the next level life. Is yeah. a fantastic read. I loved it. Um, it was a read that actually I couldn't put down. So I wanted to Come see what happened next. That's so, a big endorsement. Thank you yeah. so much, Michelle. That's so kind of you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, it really took me through your ups and downs of not only your business experiences, but also your personal life. So it yeah. got very real, which was really nice. I, yeah. I appreciated yeah. reading it and you letting us in your life with it. So let's yeah, just absolutely. go ahead and start off. Let's let's give everyone a little bit more background about you. Um, and remember, all the people that are tuning in are entrepreneurs. So yeah. they're wanting experiences and knowledge that they can take away and help them build their own business with. So let's go back to when you first started. Oh. How did you know that you were going to because you had some difficult times when you first started your very first business mm-hmm. with your your father-in-law, right? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, and so he died suddenly uh, and uh, of a heart attack at the age of fifty-three, and this was back in nineteen ninety-two, and so that was kind of really a difficult time because he was a real mentor to me, and of course my my wife's father, and we were very close. So that was a difficult time, and so that whole year after his death, I you know I had to reinvent myself. What am I going to do now? And because uh, we were kind of doing some things together. And so uh, I got into the, uh, I was in the insurance business for a while. I was selling health insurance for a long time. Uh, and then after his death, we started doing estate planning. And it was really 
kind of, uh, as they say, kind of by accident because we didn't have, uh, I didn't have a national platform. I didn't, it was just myself. And so I knew that I had the gift of selling because I've done well before in the insurance business, but to never start my own company, to start the own agency was a whole different thing. So the only thing I had really was an American Express card. <laughs> and so that's how, that's how we kind of got started. It's one of the things I do in my coaching. I always tell entrepreneurs, and I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs listening out there. The worst thing you can do sometimes is have money as an entrepreneur, right? Because uh, you get a little lazy and uh, and maybe uh, and cut some corners, which ends up you know biting you really bad later on. But yeah, so I we started this company in 1992, and I uh, the person the first person I hired was my brother, and uh, we both went out in the field and we sold and made the product and designed the product together over a three month period. And uh, that's how we started. Then we started doing recruiting. And um, it was really incredible because we had we, we really a lot of things we didn't know what we were doing, but we just had enough, you know, uh, vinegar and, and, and ambition to carry forward. But one, we started recruiting here in Texas and we had about 15 insurance reps working for us. And one of our sales reps, mother-in-law had died and she lived in Kentucky. And so he had to move to Kentucky and he was one of our top salespeople. And so we were thinking, man, we're losing our top salesperson moving to Kentucky. So we thought, well, what if we go up there and open an office in Kentucky and let him run the office? We didn't know if it would work or not, but it did. And so when we went up there and we hired people and he started doing really well in Kentucky, because we, you know, we never, I never been to Kentucky before, but they, they buy insurance there too. And so <laughs> we got, we got the idea that we can take this thing national. And so over the next, uh, you know, four or five years, we expanded it to 40 states and did massive recruiting and really changed the industry. We were really uh, trailblazers in the industry. So you took a model that worked for you here in your office here in Texas and said, OK, let's yeah. just replicate that. So did you put did you put together processes or did you kind of how, how did you end up going nationwide? Was it yeah. better? Yeah, great question. No, it was it was really kind of by the seat of our pants at first. I mean, the main thing that we did, I think the, the biggest the, the biggest keystone for our success was generating a lead system. And, you know, even today as, you know, now everything is digital and LinkedIn and everything else. I mean, it's still all about the leads, Michelle. That's what everybody wants, right? Mm -hmm. Whether you're in, you know, whether you're a, a publisher, whether you're a, a movie director, whether you're, you know, an insurance agent, a real estate agent, everybody wants leads. And so, there was no difference back then, but the thing we didn't have back then is digital. So we did it the back, you know, in the Flintstone era, we did it by direct mail campaigns. And so, uh, and a direct mail campaign would take six weeks to get the results. Six weeks. Could you imagine the millennials today? And they have a nervous breakdown if it takes more than six hours to get the results. Yeah. Right? So, but that's the way we did it. We did a direct mail campaign and uh, we did, we beta tested it and we figured it out. And so from that though, we had a very good lead piece and we knew we could base everything off that. And so that was, that was the, you know, the first, the first thing, cause we had a great product and look it, it, in, in the, there's 3,800 insurance companies here in the United States of America. They all have great products. Okay. That's, that's a given, but it's the process is what makes it the difference, right? The, the product's always going to be there. The three P's product, people and process. The, process. the product's always there in the insurance business, but the process is the key. Then the third thing is the people. And uh, there's no there's not any kind of shortage of salespeople. And so we, once we figured out the process of generating the leads and then putting people in, a, in an appointment, 
in a direct mail campaign and then with the telemarketing that we would actually set the appointment for them. Then the only thing we needed was the people. And that was, we were a recruiting machine. So that was the start of it. So I, I okay, so I'm going to come to the people in just a minute, but I want to ask, yeah. I'm going to go back to a question on the marketing aspect of mm-hmm. it. So you would do direct mail pieces, right? Which right. every you know, we used to do that too with events, right? When we yeah. were doing events as well. And they yeah. completely changed with the digital age. Mm-hmm. Is it the same? Do you feel like it's the same? Um, I don't know, the 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 same process or the same formula that you would use in direct sales? I mean in direct mailing pieces that you would use in digital? Yeah, exactly. It's yes. In fact, like I was, I, I was doing. I had another interview yesterday, and and uh, that's what they they said. You know, what's different today than it was back in 1992? I said everything's different. I mean, it's, it's so much easier today. It really is. And uh, direct, you know, the digital era is just. I mean, direct mail still does work. It does. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. slow and it's expensive, but it still does work. But but digital is so much more efficient. And the beta testing is cut like, you know, a million percent. I mean, you, you can have stuff back in, a, in a, you know, six hours. You can see whether it's working or not. So and yeah, but I, it, the same concept is the same, though, Michelle. It's you've got to have a good lead system and you, you need to test out. You know, the, the beautiful thing about digital today is that you can test out a dozen different pieces, a different dozen different things. And for, you know, for five hundred dollars, I mean, it's right. It's, there's hardly any cost in this. And and it's amazing when you can just change. What I've learned in the digital era is that you, all you have to do sometimes is change a word or change a uh, move a sentence around. And it makes the, the you know, the click rate go from, you know, three dollars a click to, you know, five cents a click. You know, right. And, and, and that's why the miracle of this stuff is is fantastical. It's like if you're an entrepreneur, this is the golden age, man. This is the time. This is the time to load your wagon, baby. It's going to the moon. <laughs> Did you find out anything in the direct sales pieces that you would put together that were a formula that would always win or that you had the highest rate of return on those certain pieces? Did they did they include certain little nuggets? Yeah, it's funny you ask that because I'm I'm, I'm going to tell you something that's really it's probably surprised a lot, but you know uh, I had a Jewish friend that always told me he says, "Listen, Michael, the best kind of lead piece is in the the schlock the schlockier <laughs> the better it is." And believe it or not, Michelle, in, in you know because I hired some people out of uh, out of New York, I hired some people out of L.A. to put together mail pieces and paid. Back then, it was a lot of money. Paid them forty thousand dollars to come up with renderings of this stuff and renditions of this wow. stuff, and none of their stuff worked. I mean, I mean, it would pull maybe point eight, you know, an eight, uh, almost one percent. Everything that we put together, us guys did. We put together, you know, it pulled two point seven five percent. And so, and it wasn't fancy. It was basic. It's the old adage: keep it simple, stupid. I think some people go in there, and I, I listen. I love MBAs. I love PhDs. I love these people that are. But sometimes the simpler, the better. I always liked what what we targeted everything is we marketed to the lowest common denominator because Mm -hmm. we wanted to go to the mass marketing. And we figured if you can sell to the masses, you can dine with the classes. And there's a lot more people out there that you can go out there and drop a mail piece. We would would mail out 400,000 pieces of mail per week. And there was a lot of people in that range that we are looking for, which we wanted their, their, our, our demographic was uh, from $300,000 estate to a million dollar estate. We didn't want the $5 million estates. We didn't want the $50 million estates because they had gatekeepers with machine guns. And we didn't want to mess with those guys. 
That was smart. So you went after a real specific niche. Um, yeah. Okay. So I love that about keeping it, you know, keep it simple. simple. Stupid. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And your book, by the way, is filled with all these little, these little quotes, these little, <laughs> I loved it. Okay. So let's talk about, you're doing this mass marketing to reach mm -hmm. a certain demographic. Yes. You had to have people to communicate with them and work with them. How did you go out and find 20,000 sales representatives? That's huge. Yeah, it is. I mean, we, we, we recruited, uh, you know, we, our motto, motto was, you know, recruit them by the masses, train them in the classes and fire their asses. And that's what we did. <laughs> we went through a lot of people. <laughs> and uh, I know that sounds kind of blunt, but we had uh, salespeople. There's a lot of salespeople. I mean, there are. There's so many. And what we found, what we really, what we found in our niche is we were like the land of the misfit toys. We found people that were on their last leg. They spent their last $20,000 on the Holy Grail that they thought was going to be amazing. You know, the wife saying, listen, you know, uh, you know, broke comes in the door and love goes out the window. Right. And so they were, they were on their last leg and they needed something. So what we provided them is we provided them with leads, which is like, you know, platinum to them. On top of that, Michelle, we gave them appointments. In other words, all they had to do, we called it the Bono effect. All they had to do is show up like at a U2 concert and perform. And because we set the stage, we were the roadies, we set everything up for them. And so with that, we, we could attract a lot of people. We would hire on an average of about 100 people a week. And we would fly them all into Dallas. And I put them through an extensive three and four and five day training course. You know, we'd spend $2 million a year just on training. But what that did, did the ROI on that was fantastic. And we, we had, you know, we were getting like a five ROI on that. So that that recruiting and a lot of times some of the people weren't even in the insurance business. So we would get people that were, you know, real estate people that got during. I mean, during that period of time, we went through two recessions, you know, and three presidents. So we, we went through all the we went through all the cycles. So I'm curious about something as an entrepreneur, and I think this, you know, you'll see entrepreneurs going through this all the time. As an entrepreneur, you started off, you and your brother, you were out there selling, right? Mm -hmm. Y'all created the product that you were going to go and sell and you were out there mm -hmm. actually selling it, which was great because you became very familiar with what the product was that was going to be sold. But then you moved in and you're a natural salesman, which a lot of entrepreneurs are. And then you moved into really managing, right? That's right. That's right. How, how did you make that shift? Because a lot of entrepreneurs really aren't good at managing. Did you hire yeah, them great. and then do the yeah. job? Yeah, it was, it was, you know, one of the things that I had somebody tell me early on, I'll never forget it. I was up in, uh, on the Dallas Parkway. And my wife and I, when we first started, we had a small little executive suite paying $750 a month. And I remember I brought in my first assistant. And the lady that was the landlord there said, Michael, whatever you do, you can skimp on real estate, you can skimp on pens, you can skimp on clothes, but whatever you do, do not skimp on your employees. And it was probably the wisest thing that somebody told me at, at the age of, you know, I guess I was what, 31 years old. And so I did that. I hired good people, uh, a good management people. And the salespeople were all, I, I, could, I could do with salespeople because I, I was one and I, I, you know, I could spot their stuff. But I didn't know what I didn't know. I mean, I knew how to make it rain, Michelle, but I didn't know how to trough the rain. You know, if they gave me the checkbook, I'd have screwed it up before dark. So I brought in MBAs. I brought in CPAs. I brought in PhDs. I had uh, everybody was highly educated. Uh, and, you know, some of them, it didn't work out because, you know, I've got a big personality and I would run by the seat of my pants sometimes. And sometimes I'd make a 180 
and they couldn't make the corner. You know, they'd be in the corner thrown up, and so they just couldn't do it. You know, so we would have to put somebody else in. But but what I did learn, though, find good people, pay them really well, and then what we did is we put a bonus attached to it, so they could get have a piece of the company, and which made them rich, which was really good. Um, but as far as me coming into that management, somebody also told me, so listen, all you need to do is have five people that you need to be contacting in your company. Okay. Just five. Don't try to micromanage everything. Sometimes I didn't do that well. Sometimes I, I, I played the hokey pokey and it cost me a lot because I came in there. I kept trying to change things because as entrepreneurs, we're watching our baby grow up. We watch that. We birth this thing. We watch it grow up. And then if somebody steps out of bounds or if somebody tells us our baby's ugly, then we get defensive and our ego gets going. And so I had to mature in that. And it took a while for me to do that. And I lost some good people in that process. But eventually we found some really good people. I had five really strong C-level uh, people that really walked me through it. And they, they, they would keep me in check. They would rebuke me when I was wrong. I didn't like it, but I grew into it. Mm-hmm. I think you're also a big believer in making sure you have your own personal assistant too as the CEO, right? Yeah, I, I had three. <laughs> yeah, I did. Well, I had a bevy of assistants. I was high maintenance, Michelle. I can't what I can I tell you, but I <laughs> but I, I liked having things taken care of because what I wanted to do is focus on the things that I love to do. And that's what I tell people when I coach them. I say, look, 95% of your day, and if you're an entrepreneur out there, you should listen to this. 95% of your day should be doing what you love to do. And uh, that's where you accelerate. That's where you're going to be. That's where you're going to be in the river and the flow and having things work for you. You still got to do 5% of the things you might not enjoy out of that day, but 95% of the day, do what you love to do. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious. What did three assistants do? Did they each have their own tasks that they handled? <laughs> <laughs> well, one took care of Stacy, which was a big thing. The queen had to be taken care of. Uh, and then we had a travel assistant. We traveled a lot. I had a couple of jets. And so we would travel quite a bit. And so I liked whenever I got wherever I wanted to go, I wanted it all to be done, you know, the clothes to be unpacked and everything be checked in. And I was just high maintenance. What can I tell you? It was, it was my Gatsby era. <laughs> and then, then, I, then I had assistants that helped me out in, in the business that knew all the CEOs that I was dealing with in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's talk about, um, you selling your business because a lot of entrepreneurs create a business and prepare yeah. it to sell. You didn't do that though. You, you didn't build this business in the beginning thinking you were mm -hmm. going to sell it. Right. No, no. I, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I'm sorry, say the question again. Well, what made you decide that you wanted to sell the business? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. It's a great question. I, uh, I got tired. I got burnt out. And I think one of the things I think I opened up my book, I said, I probably stayed in too long, you know, uh, I should have probably came in and replaced myself with a with a, you know, an MBA CEO or somebody that had experience, maybe, uh, you know, 10, 15 years older than me that wanted it, or somebody that had that wanted to really take it to the next level. I got I, I think, you know, my candle blew out a little bit. Uh, I had, you know, regulations hard in the insurance business is highly regulated. You know, one year I spent two million dollars on legal fees. And it was like it was I was still making money, but it was like a lot and it was a lot of stress. And uh, I probably I had I had it up for sale or not really up for sale, but GE approached me, Jack Welch approached me and wanted to buy it. And, you know, I love Jack Welch and I, you know, I was all into it. this is 1999 and I was going to sell it to Jack Welch. But I got I got arrogant. 
and yeah, that was a, that was a fifty million dollar lunch, and so I learned I learned from that, and uh, but I think I got to where it was just getting to me as far as uh, the travel, and even though I mean sometimes you know I would hit four cities in one day, and I'd have an extra set of pilots because I would I would be you know sixteen hours gone, mm-hmm. you know, but but I could be home that night, which I kind of I was big into my daughters, my family, and my wife, so. But I guess I got to the point where I'm thinking, you know, what do I want to do next? Because the insurance business was evolving. It was changing drastically. A lot more regulation was coming in. And I just got tired of that. Um, and sometimes I missed it, but I was glad. I think I got out at the right time. I was blessed. I got to sell it in 2007, and right. uh, which, which was yeah. good timing. <laughs> it's interesting. We, we've had a few individuals on here that have sold their businesses. And... Um, they all have spoken about when they've lost that passion, right? Mm-hmm. That, that drive that when you get up in the morning, you're super excited. Uh, mm-hmm. But when you start waking up going, oh, maybe I don't want to go in today or I'm going to go take a late breakfast or whatever it might be. Yeah. Those yeah. are the telltale signs, right? That yeah. you're starting to, to lose that, that flame is starting to flicker a little bit, right? Yeah, it, it truly is. And, and uh, you know, I was still relatively young and I thought, okay, what's next? And, you know, this is a great way to, money off the table and mm-hmm. uh and maybe take a look at things in a different way and uh which i did uh and it was a tough process though it really was i mean that's all i had known for a long time and i was running you know i was burning it pretty hard you know right. uh, and so there were some things that i i was really excited about when at the day that i i signed the, the the deal and there were some things that i was really emotionally uh it hit me pretty hard too Mm-hmm. Did you stay on after the sale, or did you walk no, away? Right no, no, color me gone. I was out. Yeah. I didn't want to. I, I didn't want. I didn't want to see that. I didn't. You know, and I and I think if I had to do it all over again, I would have probably, probably, you know, around two thousand three, two thousand four, I would have went out and got a firm to find somebody to come in and not buy me out, but take over the the day to day management of the company, and I could have been on the, the chairman of the board and dealt with it and and done something else. And mm-hmm. that's probably what I should have done, but I, I stayed too long. Right. It's interesting. We had someone on just recently um, on the program that talked about waiting too long, that mm-hmm. they had a big offer that came in. They didn't take it because they were greedy. They thought, you know, let me let me go another year. It'll be a higher <laughs> valuation. I'll get more money. And then COVID mm-hmm. hit. Right. Yep. And then and then it all went away. So. Yeah. Um, it's difficult. It's difficult, you know, and, and, you know, my father-in-law wasn't around. I didn't, I, I got to a point too, that, you know, I, I think, uh, and I think as, as you know, you know, you start making mega dollars and mm-hmm. everybody, you know, the emperor has no clothes. Everybody loves what you're saying. They believe everything. And, you know, you, you might not be getting the true, the true story. Yeah. Right. And so I think, I think that played a lot too. And, you know, uh, you know, the deal with GE was really a heartbreak because I, I was ready. To, that, that was that was exciting. It kind of came up out of nowhere and I didn't expect it. But the numbers were so huge. And then after I blew that, I kind of got I kind of got arrogant with that. And so I think that was that was a problem as well. Mm-hmm. So in in everything that you've gone through as an entrepreneur, what would you what would you provide our listeners with as one of your, you know, maybe your top two or three things that you learn that you'll carry forward and that you share often? Yeah, for, it's a great question. Yeah. Uh, f- find the eagles. Uh, find your eagles because they're very few. And 
you know, I always say, you know, soar with the eagles. Don't flock with the turkeys, man, because the turkeys will drag you down every time. Also, find people that were going to speak life into your business, into your and into that understand your dreams. Uh, you want to find people that are big thinkers, big dreamers, big doers. Uh, talkers talk and doers do. Don't be around people that just talk about it. Find people that, and because talk is cheap, it really is. But if you can there and put it on the line with you, uh, I never had a partner, uh, a financial partner. That is, mm-hmm. I never wanted one. You know, if I wanted to, I wanted to go buy a jet, I got to buy a jet. I didn't want to explain it to anybody. <laughs> and uh, or you know, if I want to go to Europe for a month, I didn't want to explain it to anybody. But there is times when you need a good advisory board. You do need a good advisory council and a confidant. Uh, I would tell a young entrepreneur that's got some things going on is stay humble, get a mentor, get a coach uh, that will rebuke you, that will tell you the truth. And when your flies unzip, they're going to say, zip up your drawers. Because if not, then you're going to, you start making big money and you know, you're paying your assistant $400,000 a year. They're going to tell you how handsome you are and how funny you are, even when you're not. And you need to have somebody to be able to tell that. The other thing I would say is, I don't care how much money you have, hide it. <laughs> Stick it somewhere to where you don't even know you have it, okay? Uh, send it over to some, you know, send it to the Philippines somewhere in a cryptocurrency account. But because if you sit there and sit on your, you know, if you've got $30 million in the bank or 500000 in the bank or whatever it is, the number that makes you feel comfortable, don't have access to that. Try to put it somewhere you don't have access to it because it makes you lazy. I've always wanted, uh, I, you know, I, you want to always be creative. And if you have a lot of money, okay, your creativity is going to go down. So the worst thing you could have as an entrepreneur, uh, especially a young entrepreneur, is money. Get creative. You're more creative when you're broke than when you are when you're rich. You get lazy. I could tell you a whole story about that. After I sold my company, I started another company and spent $500,000 and got zero results because I was scared to ask anybody because I had too much money. And I just thought... You know, I made all this money. I can do this. I can do anything. It's stupid. Okay. And so uh, the, and the, the final thing I'd say to an entrepreneur is constantly reinvent yourself. Okay. Constantly feeding yourself with good information. Go to conferences, find other people, read books, read books. Okay. I like reading books that are true to life. I love Jack Welch, Straight from the Gut. I think there's a piece in there how he, you know, scolded a young insurance agent at one time. <laughs> but but uh, I, I think, you know, Find people that you look up to. Uh, the, the main thing that's going to be different in your life in the next five years are the books that you read and the people, your best friends, your confidants, your your mentors and your coaches in your life. They're the ones that are going to make a difference in your life. Find success. Look, people always say, how do I find a good coach, McIntyre? How do I find a good mentor? Simple. Look at the fruit in their life. Okay. What kind of car are they driving? Is it clean? I know these things are simple, but it's it's you know you want to find somebody that's got their act together. Anybody can go out there and make a million bucks, but a lot of people blow it. A lot of people get uh, get divorced because they 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 are infidelity. Uh, look at their marriage. See how long they've been married. Look at where they're where they're living. Do their kids like them? Do they talk to their kids? Who do they spend time with on Thanksgiving? It tells you everything about a person, right? And these are the kind of people that you want in your life and you want to pour into. That I guess the fourth and final thing I'd say: be coachable. So many of you guys and gals out there are brilliant. You're smart. You're making money. Maybe you're a Bitcoin billionaire already. Maybe you've got this going on or that, and you're you know knocking down a couple million dollars a year. Bravo. But be coachable. OK, 
Okay, Tom Brady is the best, right? He's the goat, right? He just spent 40 days in the desert and came back and he said he's coming back. I'm not done, right? <laughs> it's crazy and I love it. And but the, but after every set of downs, after everything he does, he gets on there, he gets on the computer and looks what he does and he gets coached again because he's coachable. That's why he's the goat. Be coachable, be humble. I love that. Be coachable because as entrepreneurs, especially when you start succeeding, it oh. is hard, right? I mean, you do think that, you know, whatever I touch is going to turn to gold and, yeah. and that's not the case all the time. Okay. So that was great advice on where to find your mentors, find your coaches. Yeah. Did you ever have a board of advisors with your business? I did. I did. And uh, I paid them well to let me do what I wanted to do. I did. I'll be honest with you. I did. So they weren't were they a value to you? Did you look to they, them or no? They, they were window dressing, to be honest. They were. And uh and I and that was a mistake. And uh and you know, look, I can tell you all the things that made me great, made me a lot of rich, a lot of money and made me rich, but I want to tell people that really stuff that could have been such a benefit to me. And I, I didn't do it. Now I, they were nice people. They were, they were all professionals. They were great people, but in the end of the day, I didn't listen to them because I was too arrogant about that. And so, right. and, and, you know, I'd taken the Hawaii, I'd taken the Cabo and, you know, and it was right. But if, if I was going to build an advisory board today, I would find professionals that were going to really be not, not your best friend because your best friend loves to be on the boat with you with the best cigars and the best scotch. Okay. You want to find people that's going to speak truth to you, pay them because it's their time. Their time is valuable, but don't pay them to tell you what you want to hear, to pay them to tell you what you don't want to hear. Right. And I think as entrepreneurs, so many times I've heard this over and over, they don't look at their board to really get help from or advice. So from. True. Yeah. That they, it really is more window dressing. And mm -hmm. the reality is, is there are a wealth of knowledge that are just sitting right there for them if they would only ask, right? Amen to that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So talk to us about what you're doing now. And I, and I want to get into the family too, because a lot of entrepreneurs that are listening, Michael, are, might be doing it with their spouse. And you and Stacy started off in the very beginning working together yeah. and now you're working together again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's great. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, we sold the company and uh, I, I kind of, went through the first year was really difficult to be honest. I thought it was going to be great. And I'd be hanging out at the beach and, you know, you know, just, you know, I don't know what I was thinking, but, but it wasn't that way. It was kind of, you know, the world came to a screeching halt. And so, uh, but then, you know, the phone started to ring and people say, Hey, you know, uh, I'd like to, you know, would you come and have breakfast with me? Would you come and talk to me? And so uh, all of a sudden I'm mentoring a lot of people and, I did that through my church and I did it through some other ways and through uh, some of the people in the business. And I really started enjoying mentoring, but then I got to where it was almost like a job. And so uh, I, I decided I wrote that book, The Authentic Salesman, uh, which, uh, you know, I think it made the top uh, top list of the most insomniac read book in the world. Uh, and my mother bought it and two other people. I think I gave you one, uh, but it didn't do very well. But it was a good it was a good how to book on how to sell. And I wanted to get it out. and I got it out. And so uh, from that, though, I started meeting with people and they said, hey, you know, I really want you to come in and help me with my business consulting. And uh, I went on a few nonprofit boards. And I'll be honest with you, I won't do that again. Uh, I, I can't, I'm not a nonprofit guy. I'm just not. And I, I like to make money. I like to move the needle. And if I can't come in there and make changes, you know, cause I always tell people, look, I think there's a reason for boards and there's a reason for committees, but I also know this, there's never been a statue made of a committee anywhere on this planet. 
right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, things sometimes just get bogged down in those things. But um, I think, you know, in that process of, of, of find, getting in our business and start, starting to consult and starting to coach, I decided to start coaching. And next thing you know, uh, you know, I've got, you know, people paying me a lot of money <laughs> to get advice. Uh, and the more, the more business I got, the higher the rate I was running. And then next thing I, you know, I got a real business. And then we started, Stacy and I, uh, who we've married 36 years. We've got three children, two grandchildren, one on the way. Thank you, God. Uh, and we started doing these next level experience trainings and they're phenomenal. And, you know, we've had over 7,000 people go through and it's like, it's transformational. It's, it's experiential learning. It's intense. And uh, we like it. We like to, what we like to do is create platforms to people to build wealth. Uh, we're into kingdom wealth, but we're also into people just, Hey, I want to make more money to buy a bigger house or I want to buy that, you know, that uh, Lamborghini or I want to get that yacht, whatever it is, we're all about it. Uh, and so we really like watching people grow that business and expand. I mean, in our insurance business, we created uh, about 175 millionaires in that insurance business. And today, some of them still have the money, believe it or not. <laughs> and uh, so it's kind of that that's what we're doing. So we're doing life coaching. We're doing business coaching. Uh, we're doing seminars. And uh, I just had a person uh, yesterday. I'm going to London in July. They've got a big seminar going on in London, which is kind of cool, uh, which I get to talk to some London people, which I'm excited about. So if someone were to come to your three or four day seminar, what are, what are they going to they're going to uh, what type of people should be going to that and what are they going to walk away with? Yeah, it's a great question. It's all walks of life. It's basically people whose lives are working. You know, uh, not that, that we, you know, we don't have empathy for people who are, you know, in a 12 step program or having some difficulties. But we want we if you if you were in a 12 step program, we want you to be sober for at least a year. Uh, mm -hmm. But we we're, it's for people's lives. So we have C-level people. We have entrepreneurs that come in. We have small business owners. We have pastors. We have housewives, husband, uh, uh, house husbands. We have everything come in uh, anywhere from we've had people from 18 to 72 come through. Uh, we're, we're a Christian organization in that aspect. And so, uh, you know, we come in there with our faith and it's not for snowflakes. So we come at you pretty hard, Michelle. We do. We tell them that when you come in here, you, you need to be leaning about a 45 degree angle hurricane winds coming at you because I like to help, help people that are, that have something going on in their life. And they say, okay, you know, I'm making a couple million dollars, but I know I can make $20 million or I can take my business from 500,000 to 5 million but I need that. I need that something. Yeah, there's something in there. They felt God tells them that they've got what's going on, but they know that there's more. And they've always felt that there's more. And so what we do is we peel the onion. We do experiential learning, which is learning like it's like how you rode a bike, how you learn how to ride a bike or drive a car. You did it by experiencing it. And so it's three days, no money up front. We don't want your money. We just want your commitment. Uh, at the end of it, if you want to pay it forward, great. If not, that's great, too. But it's three days. Uh, starts on Fridays at two o'clock and goes to about nine thirty. Saturday, eight a.m. to ten. Sunday, eight a.m. to ten. And uh, yeah, it's not for snowflakes, baby. But if you want to, <laughs> if you want to climb that mountain, we'll climb it with you in three days. It's incredible. It's life changing for people. And so, yeah, it's kind of fun. And, and where where do they go? What what website? Uh, they can just go on. They can go on themichaelmcintyre.com and sign up. Just go on the website uh, themichaelmcintyre.com and they can enroll and apply. Okay. Uh, and so we've got one here in Dallas uh, and that's coming up here April 1st. So it's, it's fun. It's hard. Uh, but right. it's, it's, it's definitely next level. 
Okay, well, I'm going to recommend everyone go and get your book as well, because it really is. It's a fantastic read. It's filled with all sorts of nuggets in here on not only business-wise, but personal as well. So, Michael, thank you so much. This is a great time with you. I appreciate you coming on board with us. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. I love your platform. I love what y'all are doing here, and uh, you guys are amazing. Thank you for inviting me. I duly appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Next Level Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share. For more resources to help you maintain your next level life, join our community at themichaelmcintyre.com.